Alien. Die ein anderes von der Future. Is the same John Connor in the future? He sends me back to save himself. I, I hope I can get there in the. Hello, is this is this on? Sorry, sorry. Roses are red, violets are blue. It's the end of the world and I'm going to terminate you. Okay, okay. Roses are red, violets are blue. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Yes! I was surprised by this movie. In many ways. <laughs> Say, I was regretting my decision. I, I think this would be something I'd show to my kids. Oh, that's good to hear. I think it's about a father's love for his child. Oh, absolutely, yes. And uh, a complete stranger's love for that man's <laughs> child. Wore really ugly outfits. <laughs> you know, puke yellow, prom night, pale blue, you know. I, I don't even know where to start <laughs> with this film. Definitely not a movie I would consider watching unless you tell me to. Hello, I'm Derek. And I'm Peter. And this is The Mog. In this podcast, one of us suggests a beloved movie from our childhood for the other to watch. And then we talk about it. What made us laugh? What made us cry? And whether or not it explains our limited vocabulary. Very limited. <laughs> Entirely limited. <laughs> Insert Arnie line here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, the great thing, I, I was thinking about this. One of the main reasons I reckon that people quote Arnie is because he always has so few lines. <laughs> so all of his movies have a big gap between when he speaks next so that when he does speak, it's a lot more memorable. Yeah, it's true. That's my theory. So he had only 700 words in T2, but in the original <laughs> Terminator, it was 17 lines. <laughs> oh, wow. And he delivered them with such gusto too. <laughs> uh, I was watching a documentary and he was like, everyone comes up to me and says, oh, could you please say I'll be back? <laughs> <laughs> he just does it. It will like you know. He's just, <laughs> he always does it. He does, it, uh, and you listen to him. It's just like he's always talking about himself. This is so. Oh, I'm so funny. I'm doing the accent, aren't I? Sorry, <laughs> sorry. You're gonna take this seriously. Well, that got me thinking about all these action heroes like Stallone and Arnie, and you know, even Jason Statham, The Rock. Maybe they're all sort of stereotypically slow speaking and very sort of stoic. And I was wondering, what if there were a really well-spoken, articulate action hero? <laughs> like like a very British voice or something like that. Like British, terribly yeah. sorry, terribly. but would it all be possible to borrow your pal? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, hello, hello. Um, I'm, I'm quite surprised to meet you here today. I'm just wondering if you might get get into the lift with me. Um, <laughs> it may save your life if you don't bother. If it's not too much of a bother. Uh, it's not too could, much of a bother. If it's not too much of a bother. I see that there's a T-1000 coming towards you, which may end your life. And I'm just wondering if you would like to come with me. Um, I might be able to keep you. Oh, you're dead. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. It's okay because I'm, I'm mainly... It's fine because I'm mainly here to save John and not yourself. So, But I do apologize. Uh, 
Yes. Sorry. My fault. My, my fault. fault. <laughs> entirely, entirely my fault. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what movie it work. are we actually talking about? <laughs> it's one of mine. It's Terminator 2, Judgment Day from 1991. Ah, or as I like to call it, Terminator 2, Reserving Judgment Day. Or <laughs> Pumping Iron 2. <laughs> That's basically it. I really couldn't Reserving think of any judgment. decent I like it. I just said Terminator, the second coming. <laughs> Breaking the rules there. Oh, no, it needed to be done. It needed to be done. It, there's still, like, as much as I don't want to put any Arnie accents in, it's an inevitability. So I will just preface it here and apologize. And you know. Yeah. Yeah, but I'll, I'll give you a, a quick synopsis oh, for those who haven't actually heard of this film. Nearly 10 years have passed since Sarah Connor was first targeted for termination by a cyborg from the future. Now her son, John, the future leader of the Resistance, is the target of a newer, more deadly Terminator. Once again, the Resistance has managed to send a protector back to attempt to save John and his mother Sarah, but it is actually another Terminator. Right. I got a bit Alec Guinness there with that synopsis. I like it. Alec Guinness. Alec. Alec. Obi Wan. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not going to try to do that because um, I wasn't actually trying to do that. So. <laughs> but this film, it's James Cameron. Yeah. And I didn't know that he's Canadian. Oh, Did right. you know? No, he's from Canada. Yeah. Oh, His great. early background was in special effects. So he was started out as a miniature model maker and. Like from films like Escape from New York. Oh, and right. That's sort of what started his love of special effects. It started with miniatures and then it began then in 1984 with The Terminator. That's interesting because didn't Ridley Scott also do something similar with Galaxy of Terror, I think it was called? Oh, I wish I knew more background. We did a mug, yeah. but I didn't research him properly. Yeah, it was a, quite a while ago. It was during the dark time. <laughs> right, but that makes sense. And then he actually went on to create the second alien film, Aliens. Yeah. But with 1984, yeah. uh, the Terminator, Arnie was the bad guy. And, you know, Carl Reese was the human soldier sent back in time to stop Arnie. Yeah. And it introduces Sarah Connor at that point. And she was so different <laughs> back then. Yeah. You, you would almost think that it's a different actress. Yeah. It's incredible, right? Yeah. She's a really dedicated actor, I think. Oh, incredible. Because I think, yeah, she really throws herself into stuff. And of course, James Cameron throws people into stuff as well so uh, <laughs> well it's right because he went on to write rambo first blood and then he directed aliens 1986 and then the abyss and then this is sort of where it gets into the special effects mm. realm of cgi because in, there's a shot in this where they didn't know how to shoot it and they were coming up with all these ways like sculpted models or cell animation but in the end like cg became the most likely solution but the scariest one they said <laughs> It was so untested um, mm. and cutting edge and, yeah. you know, industrial light of magic with Star Wars, but they weren't even using CGI at this point. Yeah. Um, and I think it's true. It's like during that time, there were people trying to experiment with CGI and stuff, but it always didn't look great. Last Starfighter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what was that? Sorry. Did you cough? Um, <laughs> and I think that like a serious filmmaker who wanted to make something look realistic, you know, the idea of doing something that could turn out that bad was probably very daunting. Especially when there's so much money on the line. Mm. This was the most expensive film to date at this point. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. It was wow. the, also the highest grossing film. So, in 1991, it got $520 million worldwide and Robin Hood was next at 390 
<laughs> our old friend Kevin, <laughs> and it won some Oscars. You know, best sound effects, best sound, wow. best makeup, best visual effects, and it was nominated for best cinematography. So it was a massive film. Yeah. It was yeah, huge. it was huge, and it was very interesting that the best cinematography. Did you look at the history of the cinematographer at all? Yeah, I love that stuff, man. I'm just into that stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> I have in-depth notes. Yeah, the last film that he did that cinematographer was snakes on a plane oh was it <laughs> i think so yeah all right oh sorry i was just looking at his work on this film yeah i didn't really see afterwards I was looking, yeah i was looking at the filmography and it went all the way up to snakes on a plane which seemed to be the last one but he was quite old like he, he i think he'd like 80 or something like that so adam greenberg yes that's it he he worked that's on it. ghost yeah. and Sorry. three men and a baby there's yep. a really eclectic sort of bunch of films yeah i know it's crazy <laughs> but i'd imagine that really he might have done well with cinematography but from what it seems james cameron basically just shoved himself into every aspect of the films that he did yeah so it's hard to know where he starts and finishes as a director. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he is well known to be a very hard director to work with because he's just controlling and demanding. Well, this was like, this was probably, I would say his peak. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> um, it was early on, like this is before Titanic, but I still think this is Cameron at his peak. Oh, it's got to be Titanic, man. <laughs> Three hours of pure bliss. <laughs> Yeah, dreamy Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah. God, I hated that film so much. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. The, the amount that they put like Linda Hamilton through in order to get her like shooting all these, these weapons and getting skilled up and all of that type of stuff is pretty, seemed pretty intense. And she was like, you believed her character when you see this film. Yeah. Just the progression from the first one. Hey. Yeah. The huge transformation. Absolutely. But uh, I didn't really have too much in terms of the background. That was about it, into just knowing about James Cameron as a director. What are your thoughts on him? I don't really know your stance on Cameron. Um, I think he makes great films, but I don't think he's a very nice person from what I hear. Oh, okay. But that's what I've heard. Didn't he marry Linda Hamilton or something? Yeah, he did and after this film. Yeah. I've heard some stories about people saying that they don't want to work with him anymore. Like uh, The Abyss was apparently very traumatic for the actors. Oh, right. There's some full-on stuff that happens in The Abyss and he put them through hell. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Okay. I haven't actually seen it. Oh, I'm sorry, really? I've seen the scene where they inserted the CGI, mm. but I didn't see the full movie. What's it like? It's really good. I, well, I used to enjoy it, but there's like a scene where they're trying to bring, you know, give someone CPR and it's really full on. And yeah, they, they did like multiple cuts of that. And he just like made it so frustrating and hard. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Some of these directors, man. They're just. Well, I really think that they were finding their ground. They were working with this stuff that no one really knew how it was going to work. And mm. it wasn't until this film that it all sort of came together, I believe, because they had made mistakes <laughs> in previous films. Mm. You know, there's he went through the Aliens thing and that was a massive blockbuster sort of action film. And he, so he picked up a lot of techniques for that, which is in this as well. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you yeah. got to sort of, you got to go through these things. Some of the, there was a lot of risk taking of some of those directors uh, to get things like new shots and new ways of mm, doing things. Pushing the boundaries. But what's your background with this film? So... How has it touched you, Derek? <laughs> How has it 
touched you? I saw T2 in the cinemas, actually, in 3D last year oh. when they re-released it. And it was a religious experience for me. Oh, man. right. <laughs> I, was, I was in tears. It was so beautiful <laughs> seeing Arnie in, like, oh, really? full glory up on oh, the big wow. screen. And they've recreated, like, I think they've um, remastered it from the original film. So, it looks stunning. I just love the story. It was at that time where I was becoming a teenager, like 1991, 1992. And there's that angst. You're sort of starting to question things mm. and I was just really drawn to John Connor Edward Furlong I just wanted to be him oh, like he's really? riding this motorbike he's stealing money and going to the arcades and the mall and it's all there he's like in a foster home so he's acting and out and he's got that that dreamy hair <laughs> the dreamy fringe man <laughs> <laughs> but um it's a redemption story like of both mother and father and the, in this case Arnie is the father mm. and there's so much heart and depth to that side like in many ways he's the perfect father he would never raise a hand against her son he's forever patient and they explore this a little in the new one um dark fate mm. but my mom she never liked us watching violent films horror was okay but never violence like um you know action films mm. and so i went over to my friend's house edward ginsburg and he's andrew ginsburg's brother oh, right. anyway uh danny hayes was there and we watched this film and listened to guns and roses <laughs> <laughs> and these guys are so cool like andrew he was in a band at terrace playing bass and he's always walking around with his instrument and his long hair and um <laughs> i think this was the shift in me at this right. time i began to love music and this sort of rebellious side of me was sparked it's all to do with this film oh, wow. and this year i i had to go and see terminator dark mm. fate uh in the cinemas and i went to see it in 4dx have you heard of no. this is that where like they take you through time or something it's, um it's a korean invention I, I thought it would have been a hollywood thing but no it's korea and they've got these seats that move but they have sort of air jets and water and like Behind your head, they've got little air jets that blow wind. So, oh. like, when there's a bullet that just misses the protagonist on screen, you get a little burst of air behind your ear. Oh, is that right? And I've got, like, long hair now, so it's so effective when you're getting this burst <laughs> shooting past your ear and you see them on screen. It's just incredible. It's amazing. Really? And wow. one of the best uses of it is, like, you know where they do this slow sort of pan to reveal a character, like, from their feet up, mm. um, slowly up to their head head what happens is the chair slowly moves as well and you just you're off balance like your whole body just feels a little bit off center while you it's doing a slow pan it's so incredible wow that's, i really think it's yeah that's amazing what happens during sex scenes? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Did I ask that? Out loud? Sorry. Does a saxophonist come out? And, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I think we spend so much time in our heads and in our thoughts watching films, you know, alone. And I think this is so great because it's a visceral shared experience. Yeah. At a time when, quite frankly, we need to be smacked around a little bit <laughs> to oh, feel yeah. something again. That's right. That's right. We go, we're all uh, so desensitized now. We actually need to um we need to be in pain to enjoy something is that right <laughs> that's a, that's yeah, a, like much. the the 5d will be when they actually shoot you <laughs> uh, and we pay good money for it <laughs> that's right there's a triage after the movie <laughs> Everyone goes into emergency after. Do you have background on this film? For some reason, I picture this film as really uh, a film that my brother really enjoyed. Ah. Not so much myself, though I have enjoyed this film. I think my brother was older 
around the time when we were watching this, I was still a little young. So the violence in this was quite full on, you know, where he's, you know, stabbing people through the head and all of that type of stuff. So I found this was probably a bit too mature for me. My brother, my brother was kind of just on that cusp though. So I, I don't think he was as worried. So yeah. I wasn't as big a fan of this at the start, but I did it like it was good. It was, but it was more than just a film. It seemed more like a, an experience like Star Wars yeah. for people. Like even if you weren't watching the film, you kind of heard about it through other people and it was a big deal. Yeah. And what were your memories of it then? Mainly closing my eyes during the uh, stabbing through the head scenes. Yeah, that was full on, hey? Yeah, there was something about it that was really, I don't know. Yeah, It was an action film, but it seemed like more than just an action film. Mm. Um, like you watch some action films and they just seem, even action films that come out now, like even sequels to Terminator seem to feel toned down from this Oh, absolutely. Movie. No, absolutely. I've Does actually watched sense? in the last week, because we got delayed, I watched all of them. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from Terminator 1 all through the the many sequels with many different yeah, timelines yeah. and yeah there's nothing like the number 2 man number 2 was it yeah is the peak. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty amazing film. And it I guess we'll get into it with the acts and stuff though, when we get into that in a bit more detail. Because um, yeah, I have plenty of thoughts about this film. But from a childhood, it's really more of a feeling that I get thinking about it. There's that crisp blue metallic feel to it. I don't know. It's really strange how to explain how I feel about this film because I almost feel like there's a visceral reaction to it. Oh wow, that's incredible. That's nice. Like because that's one of the intentions of the DOP was to create that because he worked on Terminator and that's where he sort of that evolved from that cool sort of lighting and mm. the metallic feel and and included with the music from Brad. Um, but we'll get onto that with the acts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good old Brad. <laughs> Brad. Uh, so Act One. Terribly sorry. Would you mind ducking? Get down. <laughs> <laughs> Or John Connor's coming of age. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what is the voice for John Connor? Because I, I think that, that that needs more of a coming of age for him. <laughs> so this was uh, shot over 171 days and um, John actually <laughs> reached puberty and passed puberty <laughs> during that time. <laughs> so what have you coming of age? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I heard. No, no. You gotta listen to the way people talk. <laughs> don't say affirmative. <laughs> Some shit like say no problemo. <laughs> it's like if a ten year old was given crack. <laughs> Later, dick one. <laughs> Uh, I'm like a really young shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> My act one was pretty bad. It was just, give me your chopper. Um, <laughs> give me your chopper. Yeah. It's like, get to the yeah. chopper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> for, for the audience, Derek just explained explain the joke. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that uh, it was enlightening for you. Shall we move on? <laughs> Please allow me to take your motorcycle. <laughs> but, um, I will return it. I was wondering about this Coralco because you see it in these films, but um, and you don't see it anymore. It's because they went bankrupt in 1995. <laughs> 
Yeah, the Karaoke was the studio behind this. Oh, right. And they went bankrupt. And Mario oh. Casa as well. He's like involved in all of the Terminator films, this guy. Um, oh, he, wow. Who, who's this? Who is Mario Casa? He's just like a producer. Um, oh, right. But he's just involved with all of the Terminator films and Tony, Total Recall. Um, right, right. He probably has a relationship with Arnie. Yeah, I think so. And it starts with traffic um, in LA and the playgrounds in slow motion. That's true. And girls yeah. laughing on the swings. It's a, and it's a warm filter here. You see, it's very warm and it cuts to blue straight away. The skulls of the drivers on the motorway mm. in 2029. It's interesting. There's a little bit of a voiceover that starts here, isn't there, with uh, Sarah Connor? Yes. The interesting thing is, is that this introduces her voiceover, but you actually don't hear her do another voiceover till about act two. Yeah. So, uh, it's just something that I noticed that I found really interesting. What was your take on it? Did it work? Yeah. I mean, because nothing in this movie should have worked. Yeah. Because I was, I was thinking about this. This really is a rehash at the start. A lot of this film is just replicating the first Terminator almost. Oh. You've seen so many movies that... They do a sequel and the one thing that they always say about doing a sequel is don't redo the movie just with a slightly different plot. Uh. Like Ghostbusters 2, a lot of people say Ghostbusters 2 is just the first Ghostbusters, but just with a different villain and a different set of slightly different set of circumstances. So the way that this goes just from the start seems to be... For me, when I was thinking about it, was that this really shouldn't work, but it's just done so well. Which part are you talking about? Are you talking about the war against the machines? Well, there's the war against the machines at the start, and then there's the two Terminators coming in and the whole getting of clothes, you know, just all of that stuff plays out. Oh, right. Exactly like the first one. Yeah. Which is deliberate, but at the same time, even though it's deliberate, you would think that it wouldn't work because if someone was to suggest that in a movie now, people would say, do not do that. No, well, I had the similar notes. Yeah, they were actually the same shots <laughs> in, nine, in the 1984 yeah. version. And they actually pay homage to it in Terminator Genesis, where they recreated the movie shot for shot for the beginning. That's right. And yeah, they did. It's very deliberate. Mm. It's sort of like, I think it's he's tapping into that part of the memory of the audience. Yeah. And because it worked, you can quickly deliver a story and a premise with that shot, mm. with just that sort of sequence of shots. Yeah. And you can skip a lot of exposition or whatever. <laughs> you have to, you know, narrate it mm. or like have a screen. I think in the original Terminator, there was a screen with text that sort of had to deliver all that. Mm. But now you just don't have to because you've got the same shots and it, you get the same effect. Mm. But, the, but the beginning shots of the war itself where they're fighting is just amazing. Just the, you know, the setting of the future, the war of the future. Absolutely, yeah. And that was Gene Warren who did the visual effects for that. It was like a lot of miniatures and forced perspective. A lot of tricks went into that. Yeah. But, but it wasn't skimping because they were actually shot like orchestrated battles and, you know, mini car chases and gun mounts on the back and you know it gets hit by a helicopter there's rpgs stuff it's it's awesome it's epic so good yeah and i love the um the sound effects in it as well yeah 
the um, the lasers and just the sounds that they picked for all of that was really really awesome. I remember vividly the actual sounds of the lasers. It's really strange as a kid that blue blue light. I love that RPG shot where the the flyer gets shot down and it just crumples mm. and it doesn't look like a model. It looks like something that's got all of these parts in it as it crashes and falls apart and shatters and explodes. Yeah, and it's because they made these miniatures. It wasn't CGI. Hey, it's because mm. there was stuff inside and they were blowing them up for real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then you sort of get behind John Connor and we follow this mysterious figure and they're all saluting him and he's got scars on his face and, and that's when the, the main theme comes in. Mm. And it's the same as the original Terminator, but just got more emphasis on the drums, I feel. Yeah, it's it's a lot less synthy. Yeah. It's more or it's it's not orchestral, but it feels more orchestral if that makes any sense yeah absolutely like the metallic sound that bang 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 is actually you can hear it as a real metal sound mm. yeah it's the playground on fire 300 frames per second it's just this bursting flame <laughs> <laughs> and that slow dolly into the terminator's eyes the red eyes Gosh, that's creepy. It still sort of gets me. It's so menacing looking. Mm. Just the skull of the Terminator. <laughs> Such a good job on that. How it's shiny in chrome mm. as well. It's just very unique. Well, they recreated as much as they could the original Terminator, like from the original. Mm. They didn't necessarily update it as might often happen. Yeah. And yeah, this is where they copied the shots of the forklift, you know, mm. the dump truck and the hydraulics of the machines and the sound of the machines, you know. And then Arnie teleports in. Yeah. And the side of the truck dissolves in this one, really awesome. which was cool. And then Terminator cam straight away with the HUD. Yeah. You know, the yeah. red HUD. There's little bits of humor and stuff that they whack into that as well with the HUD, where he's looking at people and measuring them up and all of that sort of stuff and little <laughs> yeah. information is passing by. Yeah. If you pause it, you can see like endomorph and ectomorph and things yeah. like that. And it's like a game. It is. So, uh, that's why I think I was drawn to this as well. Oh, absolutely. But Arnie was 44 here. He looks amazing, hey? Yeah. When I was young, I noticed a difference in age from the original Terminator. Yeah. But as time goes on, he looks younger and younger oh. because I'm getting older and older. <laughs> <laughs> and Cameron's showing it off here in the first scene because he's naked. You know, Arnie was, he started out in 1984 as a relatively unknown actor just doing the Conan films. But by this time, he'd done done Commando in 85, Predator, The Running Man, and then Twins, Total Recall, and Kindergarten Cop. So, he was like on a huge trajectory at mm. this point. He was paid $15 million for oh, this film wow. alone. wow. Yeah. Did you watch any of the documentary footage? Yeah. Man, he loves himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he thinks he's the funniest oh, guy. right. He is pretty funny. He is funny, but he's also even his stuff that isn't very funny, he thinks is funny and expects other people to find funny. <laughs> What's the example? Oh, there's just some footage of him getting his makeup on, getting his prosthetic makeup on his face and stuff. And he's just like making these jokes and they're really daggy jokes. Oh, I saw that exact bit actually. And so, the thing was they spent like... Was it six hours in makeup every morning? Uh, three. Three. I thought it was three. Could, yeah. yeah. And then there was another an extra hour and a half on top of that when he had to get the prosthetic over the eye as well. Yeah. So, that's when they filmed that stuff. And I got the feeling that he was just out of it. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just so tired yeah. and out of it. But they're filming him anyway yeah. <laughs> because he's stuck there. <laughs> and they're getting their money's worth because he's a million dollar actor. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Look, we can visit you in your trailer. You can afford it, right? 
<laughs> yeah. And that's the first line. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. Yeah. In the fight scene, he just throws the guy into the ground. Oh, yeah, I know. It's great. Well, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> and he stabs the dude in the shoulder. And the ADR is real. You can straight away, it's like replace the dialogue. It's like his mouth's not moving. He's yeah, like, yeah. Bud-o, bud-o. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty, oh, pretty good little action sequence there where he's just like getting stabbed and hit and everything and just nothing's happening. Yeah, and the dude pulls out the gun and then he grabs it. So, he pulls out the keys. Yeah, and uh, and then he grabs the sunglasses. The sunnies and bad to the bones playing up, yeah, playing yeah. the background here. He pans up this full body. <laughs> Um, yeah, and they tried to replicate that in Terminator 3, but with <laughs> yeah. dorky glasses, sunglasses. They played that for a comedy, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, and it was actually like a male strip club. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, right. So, they thought he was a stripper. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Didn't work. No, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you can't, it, like, there's only so many times you can pay homage to the same scene. Yeah. That's the third time. But then Sunnies were pretty 90s, I thought. <laughs> Yeah. But the bike, the Harley, oh, yeah. it's epic. And there's this, the next shot, actually, it's of him riding on the highway. And it's like from the wheel, it's got really close to his wheel. <laughs> and I watched it a few times. It's not just a pan up. The camera's like literally centimeters away from this motorcycle wheel. And it's actually Arnie riding himself without a helmet. And it's like, it sort of summarizes the craziness of the filmmaking at this time. There's Mm. so much at stake. Oh, man, the stunts in this are insane. Some of the stunts that happen and the people are actually doing those stunts, just can't even imagine them doing it now. Absolutely. and I just don't think they would let you. No, but like that was was so much at stake and like everyone's the master of their craft. And Mm. so, I feel like any small loss of control and it would all be over the entire film, (laughs) impossible. Possibly their lives, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It was that trust. There was that trust from the first film that was built, I feel. Arnie was making $15 million, but at this point, what would it take for a director to get him to do that? I think that he's the kind of guy that would throw himself into it, though. Yeah. Like, he is that real, absolutely just choke me in. They always talked about him being very professional and all of that type of stuff and very dedicated to his craft. So, I would believe it. I would believe it. I think that they might have changed it now with the effects. They might have overlaid Arnie's face on stuff now. Yeah. Later on, they did like that that huge jump scene where he jumps in the bike. That wasn't him. That was like his stunt double. Yeah. But this one, you can tell it's him because, yeah, I looked at an old version of him and it's yeah, absolutely him. There's, he's riding in a lot of this on the bike. Oh, yeah, he is. I mean, you wouldn't expect him to do that other stunt himself. Yeah. You know, they probably went through a few stunt doubles. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, but the shot is so important. And I think it just sums up this first act to me. If I had to sum it up in one shot, it's this one where he's, he's playing bad to the bone. He's riding. It's got to be Arnie. You can't fake it. And we got to show it with a moving shot and we're going to get right up by <laughs> your wheel and like mm. prove that it's you. And it's going to be just like this massive film. You can tell from this one yeah. shot that no holds a bar. And uh, what I like about this part of the movie is how if you hadn't seen any advertising for it, if you didn't know anything about it, you wouldn't know who the bad guy is. Yeah. Well, there was a bit of a red herring thing going on, right? Yeah. So, the T-1000, they actually picked someone who supposedly looked a little bit like the Kyle Reese actor. Michael Bane. Yeah. I didn't realize that. But as soon as I heard it, I could actually see, yes, you're right. There is a similarity there. So, I just thought 
that was interesting because they are trying to draw parallels. And even when he first attacks that cop, you don't see him kill the cop. You see him what looks to be punching him and knocking him down. Yeah, that's right. You don't hear the actual, you just hear a sort of noise. Yeah, you hear him just grunt and he sort of falls over. Mm. So they really do keep that going till right up until the last minute where John's sitting in between the two and you don't know which of them is really the bad guy. Yeah, that's true. But just going back to when he teleports in, there was like this really cool scene where they're walking along the fence and then it sort of, it reveals the hole in the fence. I thought that was Mm. amazing. (laughs) Where like he's walking along the whole fence, you've got that visual sort of storytelling Mm. happening and then there's a gap. You see the anomaly. I it's recurring in this whole film. This things like that, little visual techniques mm. rather than um, descriptions and etc. And Robert Patrick, he's so lean here, man. He's just like built, but he's like you can see he's he's been working out as well. He's like a hunter. Yeah. There were some interviews where he was saying that he was modeling his movement on how a shark moves in on its prey, and he's moving his head like an American bald eagle for his role. Yeah, and he trained himself to run without opening his mouth when he's breathing. Yeah, so it looks crazy, like he's yeah. And apparently he got so fit at doing it that he could actually outrun the bike that Edward Furlong was on, you know, his little mini bike. Yeah, he they caught him. Hey, he caught him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so funny. They, he had to slow down. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Oh, did they slow down? I thought he sped up <laughs> because he was still too uh, fast. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, like Robert Patrick was too fast for the actual motorcycle. Yeah, but I mean, I thought they sped up the bike because he was just, <laughs> he wanted him to go full sprint. Oh, right. Oh, they probably <laughs> did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you don't, there's, there's the mystery. You don't see how he took the cop down and there's, you know, they're starting that humming noise. You know the one I'm talking about, that sort of whirring hum that plays with all the T-1000 scenes? No, I'm not actually 100% sure what you're talking about. Sort of like a... If I edit this, I'll add it in. Okay. <laughs> because I did some uh, research and all of the music was done by Brad Fidel. He was in the original Terminator and he was... Uh, hired again to score this one. And I found out that most of the sounds were done on the Fairlight CM-13, which is just like a sampler. And a lot of the iconic sounds are just like slowed down samples. So that one of the T-1000, it's just like a brass trumpet sound. And I'll play it. But what he does, he just plays it several octaves lower and it, it makes this sort of mysterious whirring. He said it was like robots in a monastery, mm. <laughs> you know, praying to their gods. <laughs> and it's just a brass sound slowed down. So I thought that mm. was really interesting. Wow. Oh, yes. I know what you're talking about now. Absolutely. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, sweet, sweet. Yeah, that is that that is a very... I, I can't believe I didn't think about what sound you were talking about. So that's a brass instrument. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, he's resampled it and he's slowed it down. Uh, it's so clever though. And it's so iconic. I just mm. had to look that up, how he recreated it. It is a very iconic sound. I'm surprised that I actually forgot about it. I think it be- was because I was thinking of the original Terminator sound, where it's that dum, 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 dum. Oh, right. Dum, 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 yeah, dum. yeah. So, because that is also a very iconic sound of the Terminator. You know, that sort of silent, mellow sound where it's just going through the motions. But that was pure synth. 
Mm. I believe. Back then, he just had like profits mm. and things like that. He wasn't doing any crazy yeah. resampling. He was just playing these crazy old 80 synths. So I good. love that, man. I love that this blockbuster film was just scored by this guy in a garage, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And there's a good quote, actually. He was saying, part of the nature of the score is me trying to get control of the machines while the machines are trying to get control of the people in the movie. <laughs> and here I'm desperately trying to get control of these synths <laughs> in his garage. Oh, Brad. Good old Brad. Old, old Brad. Oh, man. True Lies. I didn't realize that. He did True Lies. Yeah, I've got to watch that again as well. It's a great film. It didn't do too well, if I remember rightly, but it was such a great film. And I had similar notes here. So, it's an elaborate red herring. He, he resembles the first hero in the original. Mm. This is where they have that color grading of blue and orange. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. the orange is to represent the humanity and the blue is to represent the cool machines. Mm. And you can see it in that in that intro scene where he walks up to the police computer and it's just glowing bright orange. Mm. Oh, um, right. Against all the blue. Oh, I didn't even, I didn't realize And he that. shows like his criminal record, trespassing, shoplifting, vandalism. So, it's, so, it's setting it up before we even see him. But we see him in the next shot. Mm. You can see immediately That's, it's so much warmer by comparison. There's a sprinkler. And, and you've got you've got Guns N' Roses playing in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just sort of this slow reveal of John Connor. He's leaning over the bike. We don't see him. The fringes that are covering his face and he revs the motorbike yep. to pretend he doesn't hear her. And, and to drown out her talking. Yeah. Yeah. And this film... He is a bit of a dick. <laughs> John, like, I think I got into this film later and I, I thought he was a bit of a tool. Yeah. I didn't... Yeah. Where, whereas you identified with him, I thought he was a bit up himself. Mm, I can see that. <laughs> well, the way he treats his foster parents. Yeah. That's right. Mm. I didn't think that, um, that they were that bad. But then when I watched it again, it seemed like the mum was fine, but the dad was a bit of a dick. <laughs> yeah, he was switching off. <laughs> But um, I found this film is unapologetically boyish. There's sort of like, it's playing army. It's all about the guns and robots, about being bad. It's about mm. riding bikes and danger. Mm. And is it compensating? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but it taps into that core of attraction. You know, why are we attracted to these bad types? They've got nothing to lose. They break the rules. They act beyond what we think is possible. It's sort of like a fantasy escapism. Mm, yeah. That was my take on it. Just the the actor himself ended up going down a pretty dark path where that idea and the reality intermix where what that type of attitude actually ends up leading to can not always be the best thing. Well, I also think that he was, he was got when he was really at a vulnerable sort of age. Yeah. And- Absolutely. Yeah, I guess after these films, like, what happens to you, you know? Well, (laughs) I was looking into the life of him afterwards and it's really, it's really quite a sad story for him. Oh. Yeah, like, he ended up dating his stunt double, which was a a woman, and she was 13 years his senior. Oh. I think she was, like, 29 or something like that. Oh, right. So, there was a bit of offness there. Okay. And he got into drugs and alcoholism and had a history of abuse with his girlfriends and wife and all Mm. of that type of stuff. it's really quite sad and I watched... He shot American History X. Yeah. What year was that? Uh, I'm not sure. He did continue an acting career and he did star in films and apparently is quite a good actor. But yeah, he's got a very troubled history and troubled personal life. And yeah, it's quite sad. And I was watching a Watch Mojo <laughs> about him and it was even sadder because this was before Dark Fate came out and they were spinning it so that it might turn out to be hopeful because 
because he might get a good part with Terminator Dark Fate because mm, he was going yeah. to be starring in it. But yeah, I think I won't go into details on how that turned out. Yeah. I saw, him. I did see a video not too long ago of him and he, he said he was losing weight and things like that. And, you know, he's doing the, the conventions and, you know, he's sort of getting his stuff together. Mm. So it's a, bit, a little bit hopeful. Oh, that's good. But he's definitely had a rough time. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a shame the way that these histories seem to go in that in that life. You wonder what other stuff went on. Mm. It's a pretty horrible, horrible industry to have a child in. And this is the line. She's not my mother, Todd. He sneers it. <laughs> and they he ride off with his friend with the, the red mullet in the in the. Oh, in the my God, box. the red mullet. Man, what were they asking for when they were casting? <laughs> they were looking... <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they were looking for. But it, it kind of works because he's so, like... <laughs> He's a sidekick. He's definitely not the main attraction. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, that's okay. right. <laughs> How do we make a forgettable friend character? <laughs> Give him a denim vest and a red mullet. De- denim red mullet. That's all you need, isn't it? Oh my gosh. But in the next scene, is you know, she's not my mother. And then there, it's his mother, Sarah Connor, doing pull ups. And she's such mm. a badass, man. She's upturned her bed to one side to do the pull ups on it. And the doctor introduces her, Silberman. Mm. He was in the first. Terminator. Yeah, which is good that they brought him back as well. Earl Bowen. He's great. I love him. Oh, he's he so, yawns he's in so the first great one. I'm a criminal psychologist and he yawns. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I love his dialogue in this. The next patient is interesting. And you can see his character because like when one of the patients tries to break loose, he stops in fear. And he just stops what he's saying and stops everyone until she's controlled again, contained again. Yeah. He's a... He's a, he's a coward. He is an interesting ca- character, isn't he? <laughs> um, but he gives the backstory, you know, in 2029, there's Terminators sent back. Yeah, he, um, he talks about it from the perspective of a delusional patient. Yeah, and we're introduced to Dougie, so seedy with that haircut and the red-rimmed glasses. Oh, and the gut. <laughs> yeah, the gut just hanging Did you out. Notice the, it's like they deliberately picked the tightest white shirt <laughs> so possible. Good. Costume design. <laughs> Last call, sugar. Oh, my gosh. It's so gross. Uh, but Thorazine, that was one of my drugs, man. Lagactyl. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know what that feels like. Oh, what's it like? Oh, it's great. <laughs> Sleepy time. Oh, man. But Robert Patrick, man. it cuts back to him and, you know, to serve and protect. He's the cop. So, he could be the good guy. This is the red herring Yeah, here. yeah. It actually made me think of Bloodsport. Oh, John Claude. Where John Connor is playing his computer games. And he's really good at it. You know, he's an excellent computer game player. So, he's obviously a general in the making. (laughs) Because of the games, right? Yeah, he's at the arcade. He's (laughs) winning with all the games. (laughs) He's like, yeah, man. I didn't pick up on that. I like that. Yeah, it's just a callback to that karate (laughs) game that that, um, they played in Bloodsport. It's a good show of reflexes and skill. (laughs) (laughs) What were the games? Let me skip forward. Um, It was like a flight simulator and it was... uh, It's not asteroids. It's this one where you have to shoot things to stop them from landing the missiles. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love those games. Did you used to play those? Yeah. Afterburner. Afterburner, yeah. That was the flight sim. Oh, right, right. Not really a flight sim, but yeah. Yeah, Robert Patrick. He's (laughs) so good, man. I just love his performance in this. Because, like, when he wants to be human, he's, like, over-the-top human. Yeah. (laughs) Like, but he said he wanted to be a little off. 
and they kept throwing things at me like he's sense aware so he, he says i started slowing everything down and kneeled down and felt the floor and i kind of looked around and made everything slow motion at that point he sort of shoots the casting director an evil look and snapped you know locked onto him real intense and that's when they sort of hired him for the job because he sort of nailed the performance they were looking for uh, they were looking for the creepiest guy they could <laughs> and now they're married yeah. no, but, uh, you know, that's, it sets up Ed um, with the stolen card thing because they use that device later on. So, he puts the card reader with the little computer yeah, into the ATM. foreshadowing. Yeah. Come on, baby, come on, come on, baby, come on. Yes. Piece of cake. He's got that voice. There he goes, one. <laughs> I love that so much, though. It actually reminded me of skipping school. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging down at Skinny's record store. Yeah. And smoking see- down at Victoria Park. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but also the tech, yeah. you know, at this time was like early computer times. Mm. There really was a time when computers were just not advanced enough to make it interesting in film. And then they got to a point where the technology just went so far that they there's a blurring of the line between <laughs> the future and the present of that technology and it just takes over everything mm. right it just becomes the the device that does all, everything like gives you the information you need to move your f- story yeah. forward yeah. It's kind of sad. yeah yeah but i like that there were two bikes in this like the dirt bike and the harley mm. they sort of marry the two you got the little whiny dirt bike and the epic roar of the harley the sound yeah. design is so great good sound yeah but yeah. did you see the special edition like with the dream uh, sequence with Kyle? Uh, I have seen the uh, extra scenes, but I haven't seen them within the actual film. Oh, you haven't. So, this is where it was. Like, Kyle appears in a dream when she's on the Thorazine. And he's kind of... I I don't think he... He's sort of a melodramatic actor, hmm. Michael Bane. He's saying, you're strong, Sarah. On your feet, soldier. On your feet, soldier. <laughs> on your feet. And it's sort of slow, slow motion. She's chasing after him and then it introduces introduces the playground scene and it cuts just before the explosion but we see that in full later on yeah they allude to it but they don't actually show it and i like how they end up they did just like she describes the scene in the interview you know when they're showing the videotape and she's actually talking about it yeah immediately after later on you actually get to see the scene i like that because you're seeing it you're hearing it from her perspective and then you actually see it and that scene in and of itself is pretty amazing and well pretty awful as well absolutely well in this it cuts like the explosion then it's immediately her describing it so it's even more sort of impactful mm. but i think they cut it due to length and you know pacing it and- wasn't really necessary yeah. yes there are some additional scenes later on as well that they added but had taken out for the theatrical version and i can see why they did that because it wasn't necessary for the actual film it just added a little bit more of explanation when it wasn't necessarily needed yeah that's true but i love the blocking of this where they sort of they made use of the camera filming behind the two-way mirror and then it moves onto the screen that's filming her mm. it's so dynamic and you know they're giving all of her trying to see her son here she just wants to do what she has to to convince silverman that she's can be moved to minimum security and i really thought she was just a she's just a fantastic actor Mm. and uh and just the she does such a great job with that character yeah you know just that that scene and her describing it and the contrast between how she's 
like being filmed just basically psyching out and then her trying to put on the face of being the calm person who's past that point and all of that type of stuff and then she flips out again yeah she just snaps um, i'll kill you you son of a bitch yeah because i, I just think that she's just does a, such a great job yeah and here there's introduced to cyberdyne and mr dyson you've got to sign it out and they show the two keys turning mm. And that's a way of setting up the bank heist scene later on. Yeah, there's definitely callbacks to genres in this. Hey, mm. there's the prison break and then there's the bank heist <laughs> and there's the chase. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's the chase as well as the chase. <laughs> then it cuts to John and his friend and his head banging and he's, he just makes this so, mm. so geeky noise. Yeah. Like when there's it's the climax of the Guns N' Roses song, the guitar break and it's just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's out of tune in this broken voice. <laughs> I need to hear more of that voice, man. <laughs> I love you. I don't know. We just cry, you know, when when it hurts. I can't do it, Morgan. Sorry. None of the time. Can you try? Uh, it's good enough for me. I, I, you're just giving me a bit of a hit, man. That's that's all I'm looking for. Just a bit of a hit of that voice. Uh, <laughs> Um, Are you calling moi a dipshit? <laughs> what kind of a deal? <laughs> <laughs> That's where it's come from. I like yeah that bit where um he the, he gets saved by the Terminator and um <laughs> yeah. and he discovers that the Terminator will do whatever he says. <laughs> let go, goddammit! Let go, let go! Help, help! And this guy just comes and he goes, oh, man, are you okay? You okay, kid? And then and he just says, take a hike, bozo. Take a hike, bozo. And he goes, fuck you, you little dipshit. <laughs> yeah. His voice is so I broken. I just like, uh, moment, and yeah. he just says, Jesus, you're going to kill that guy. He goes, of course, I'm a Terminator. <laughs> that was the Aussiest Arnie I've ever done. <laughs> Terminator. Because... <laughs> I'm a Terminator cuz. We're killing people. It's very well shot how it goes from scene to scene in this because you're jumping between, like, there's the big action sequence and the, the, the aqueduct. aqueduct. The aqueduct. <laughs> and then they go from that action scene to him being saved to swapping back to the hospital and, and back to the T-1000 searching and all like there's just a lot of moving backwards and forwards and keeping the momentum going because you're going between what's happening between her trying to escape and them going to get to her and the T-1000 coming and all of this stuff. So you do feel that tension there. Oh, absolutely. And when that. it sort of, it gets to the climax when the t-1000 targets in and you see arnie in the sort of in the foreground he's got the gun in in the box of roses <laughs> it's not subtle <laughs> but then they sort of yeah they all they all see each other and that's when it sort of it gives away that the t-1000 is the bad guy when he says get down mm. so when arnie and t-1000 are battling the score is really percussive it's oh, just yeah, clean yeah. drum yep. hits yep. and this is where they sort of build tension with slow motion like time is stopping you know the get down bit it's all in slow motion and it's just focusing on John and his fear. And I, I like that because you sort of these days, 
slow motion becomes a way to show off whatever your expensive special effects are. Yeah, the action scenes get slowed down to show everything. You can see every frame. But this is just the actor and his fear. And it's like emphasizing that. Mm. And so there's huge ensuing action. There's the first real shot that you see of him where he's healing. That's still very impressive to me. <laughs> you know, the CGI where he sort of morphs mm. and heals. And then he yeah. looks over at the silver mannequin. <laughs> there's a bit of the humor there. Oh, yeah, I like that. He just <laughs> frowns a little bit. It's just a slight <laughs> frown on his face. Yeah. And the bike doesn't start. So the T-1000 runs after him here. And this is where he catches him. And I started, you know, I've started running and I've started to uh, <laughs> to try just running without opening your mouth. It's oh, really hard. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm chasing after cars down in Darlinghurst. <laughs> like a dog at full sprint. Oh, like gosh. the T-1000. Yep. With um, his impeccable with, jaw. And with your, with your locks now. So, you've got long hair. So, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm beginning to, to get a very strange scene in my head playing out. <laughs> but the T-1000 jumps in the back of the semi-truck. And this is a nod to Jewel, I think, in Spielberg, 1971. You know, with the big truck chasing after the little little car. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that film. Yeah, it's, mass, it's, it's like the birth of the chase, I believe. The modern day chase. Mm. And so, the semi smashes through the side of the bridge. And you see the, you know, slight slow motion, but it's not excessive. It, it just maintains that the impact of that shot mm. of, you know, the scale, the small bike of John in the foreground and the huge truck smashing. Oh, smashing uh, into the aqueduct to breaking through. Yeah. yeah. It, it does a good job with those slow-mos because you can see him looking back at this truck smashing through. Yeah. It's got that sort of David Goliath feel and it's just shot so masterfully. Like I was pausing and going back and looking closer at the edits. For instance, this, the top of the semi gets cut off from the bridge mm. and it goes from inside the truck, you know, to the truck, to the side of the bridge approaching to the front, then back to the side. It's so quick, mm. but it's just like perfectly executed. And the shots are amazing. Yeah. When you think about what was done. And then you get the reveal like he just, he's still alive and he smashes the, you know, the glass out of the way. He's like never going to stop. You get this vibe. Mm. I love the Arnie one-handed reload of the shotgun. Oh, it's so good. So hey? freaking awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just squeezes past the truck and he picks up John with a broken voice there. <laughs> <laughs> and he reloads, yeah, with one arm, shoots the tire and that explosion. Oh, so epic. Mm, and, the tie rolls out. And that's when they drive off and we get the like money shot. The scene that they spent so much money on to uh, have the liquid metal guy come out and walk along and change back into a real person. Yeah, it's very iconic, isn't it? Because we hadn't seen anything like that mm. before. But yeah, when Arnie's poised looking at him, Ed's also looking at him and he's learning from his reactions. I thought that was quite good. It reveals his character. Like he's not cowering. He's actually just curious. He's trying to figure out what's going on. Mm. So, this was my act two. So, I had, right, yo, let's join forces if we're to get out of this pickle with our lives. <laughs> Come with me if you want to live. Or Sarah's coming around. Mine's just, act two was Dyson Sphere. That was it. Ah, <laughs> oh, Dyson Sphere. Yeah, because his last name's Dyson. And have you ever heard of what a Dyson Sphere is? I haven't, actually. Oh, okay. It has nothing to do with this film in any way, shape or form. It's just, I was just doing a play on words. And once again, I have to explain my terrible, terrible acts. What's a Dyson Sphere? A Dyson Sphere is theoretically uh, a civilization gets to a point where they harness the power of the sun to power all of their technology. Uh. Uh, and they encapsulate the star in 
this Dyson sphere, which captures all of the energy. You know, I literally <laughs> was thinking that it was like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would have been more relevant now, I guess. <laughs> this is the newest, like, you know, it's like it vacuums yeah, as well right. as like a Dyson <laughs> powers I didn't your even home. Think of that. I didn't even think of the brand. Yeah, literally, no. It's this thing that surrounds the sun and has absolutely nothing to do with this film or anything except that it is incredibly dorky. Oh, it's good. So. But I like how jo fearless and curious John is. You're a Terminator, right? Yep. And he doesn't run away. He goes and puts his finger in the bullet hole, you know, in his back. And I just and want to um, say that I really respect how you've moved way past what I was just talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but he's saying things like, this is intense, get a grip, John. Yeah, so, yeah. you can see he's, he's sort of- to himself, yeah. He's stealing himself up to it and it sells it. And he's like, so you're not here to kill me. I figured that part out for myself. So, what's the deal? My mission is to protect you. I mean, uh, well, my little old chap, <laughs> I think that uh, you should know that I'm here to make and to ensure your safety through any circumstances as it might arise. So, just make sure you stay a chipper little chappy, and I will make sure that you stay a chipper little chappy with, uh, with my shotgun yeah. and uh, amongst other weapons because I am well armed. And quite a strong uh, man for the job, <laughs> if you don't mind me saying so. Uh, if only Bilbo was Arnie in this. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins. It's like a little <laughs> shotgun riding on his bike. <laughs> um, but I had some little bit of trivia. So, JC, Jim Cameron, he was going, what I was looking for was a combination of a kind of strength of character that wasn't necessarily physical strength in, in John Connor. So, I didn't want it to be just some little jock kid that looked like he could handle anything. He had to have some quality that needed protecting. Hmm. So, that's some of the depth of... Ed Furlong and Marley Flynn was the casting director and she has an amazing eye for talent. She cast DiCaprio in Titanic and Russell Crowe in um, LA Confidential. Oh, so wow. I think you know, nailing these characters is the most important thing. Yeah. Are you sure it just wasn't because of the fringe? The fringe was very expressive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was just because of the fringe. <laughs> and, um, I mean, when you look at it, what's DiCaprio? DiCaprio had a fringe as well, didn't he? I really liked DiCaprio. You didn't like him? I didn't like him in, uh, when Titanic was around because um, I saw oh. him as a bit of a, you know, a bit of a wet rag. <laughs> okay. You know, pretty boy. All right. He can act though, man. Mm. He's in all of Scorsese's oh, stuff. No, it, uh, no, no, I, I agree. He's a good actor. <laughs> and I do like him um, now, but at the time- he was a pretty boy. Oh, right. I see. And they're sort yeah. of on the phone. He's trying to save his step-parents at this point. And then he sees oh, Tom yeah, gets, they gets stabbed in the head. I love that. That's a great scene. Like, uh, I didn't like it when it was oh. out. Like, you know, it was one of those things where I just avoided looking at it because the guy has this thing through his head. But it's, um, but it's so violent. Yeah. Like, it's so violent. And like this film, there's something about the violence in it that's just that much more. I think it's like the expression on his face. Oh, it's so graphic. With the, it's through the mouth. So, and his eyeballs are rolled up into his skull. Yeah. It's just so, yeah, it's pretty horrific. But it's also like the shininess of the blaze. It makes them more menacing, I feel. Mm, you feel the sharpness. Mm. Have that. And poor Max. 
You know, in the special edition, he actually goes out and kills the dog just to find out its name. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and with this coldness right. in his eyes. Yeah, it's, um, it's a good... And I, and I like Arnie's line after that. It's just like, your foster parents are dead. That's it. Yeah. It's just like there's no... It's all you need. And then like Ed's giving a little bit of uh, motivation for the next whole act, really. Sorry, kid, your mum's a psycho, didn't you know? No one believed her, not even me. We got to get her out of there. And so there it is. It's sort of setting it up to Hmm. be the last crusade, (laughs) saving his (laughs) mum. Yeah, yeah. Dad. My wife, my family. But it's kind uh, of perfect. I like that. Um, you know, I order you to help me. And he hands him the gun. Mm. And they're setting the rules of not to kill. Yeah. To kill people. Why? What do you mean why? Because <laughs> you can't. <laughs> oh, God. I love that voice. Um, okay, yeah. And that's when we go to her escaping scene, which is a kick-ass escape scene, where she escapes using the paperclip and... Beats the crap out of the the dude with with the gut. Doggy, yeah, yeah, she yeah, gets a payback. Yeah. And that scene where the the T one thousands coming along and you know hides in the floor and the guys gets the coffee and it comes out and he's just like oh one one and gets killed, skewed through the eye. Oh yeah, he says maybe it's my lucky day. Ah, oh, Lewis. Poor old Lewis. Poor old Lewis. Yeah. And that, that bit where he's just like twitching because the thing's going through his head. Oh, that's gosh. That's another one of those visceral, violent scenes. Yeah, absolutely. It's so clinical. I think that's probably mm. one of the other reasons is that like the, the T-1000, the actual killing is so... Like there is something more personal than just shooting people. Like the the actual interaction of the knife mm. is so much more personal and so much more visceral. I yeah, think. that's true. And it's really quiet, this whole scene. It's basically like a prison break film. It sort of taps into that genre mm. with the quiet and the guards doing their rounds. And the DOP actually commented that he lit it. Um, Adam Greenberg, he lit it from the outside so it was like these massive lights all on towers lit from the outside like you would light a prison basically mm, yeah so there's yeah. no lights inside you think of a mental institute and you've got all these fluoro lights inside but he didn't use any of that you just lit it from outside so there's this epic scale to this film mm, yeah it's very good very good that lighting is really good does really set a tone and running through the halls yeah it makes you want to whisper Mm. and she upgrades you know to the nightstick and it's all really choreographed she's sort of smooth in her actions no hesitation and she throws the keys and he catches them (laughs) i love that yeah and she just injects the poison right next to his head and it fills the syringe you believe her physicality like you know how sometimes you watch people who've been it's been choreographed an action sequence but they don't actually look like the person that could actually knock that person out mm. do you know what i mean yeah but you can believe that she's actually doing it just her fitness and her physicality just seems more realistic yeah the training involved mm. is epic and and this point outside arnie arrives with ed and he says i swear i won't kill anyone <laughs> and he goes he'll live yeah. he just kneecaps yeah. him and i there was a bit of trivia that i found really funny he had breakfasts with james cameron and he, he was pleading with him to at least kill some people in the beginning <laughs> before swearing <laughs> that he could no longer do it and this goes please let me kill someone before <laughs> let me use someone as a human shield <laughs> and then he goes okay just don't make me gay <laughs> oh my god uh, oh god Arnie he's such a weird guy <laughs> but yeah moving quickly so Ryan Gosling comes and takes the, takes the um, needle out of his neck <laughs> did you see that guy <laughs> 
He pulls it out. <laughs> and Silverman looks so clammy yeah. and pale and sick. I love him, man. Yeah. He's great. And he finally kind of gets his real comeuppance, which is seeing the T-1000 go through the grating. Yeah. You know, where all of that unrealistic stuff, the story is he's believed it to be is suddenly just gets upended when he sees something pass through the bars. Yeah. Well, just before that, this is when Sarah Connor meets Arnie and she's sort of in slow motion. She thinks that he's the original Terminator. So she's freaking out and then John sees her. Yeah. And she's sort of running back towards the wards, Gosling, <laughs> Ward Gosling, and tackles her. And then this at this point, Arnie just comes in and just smashes bodies around, mm. just throwing them around around just pushing the oh, faces yeah. and she goes flying and she breaks his sunglasses and this point you see his eyes for the first time because the whole film he's just been behind these sunglasses and he's he delivers the line come with me if you want to live and this is the line mm. from the first movie uh, it's what kyle said to her at the beginning oh right so it's all sort of planned i think mm. it's very perfect because it was pov shot mm. directly at camera yeah and i have a question one of the security guards the lady had a cast on her arm. Do you think that she actually had broken it previously during those scenes? It probably is. I, I, just I, feel like I can't confirm that, that might have but it would make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, James Cameron probably broke her arm deliberately. Oh, right. It's just like, I want you to feel it. I want you to. I, I want you to know what it's like to have a broken arm. So we're just going to break your arm. We're going to put in a cast. Oh, here's that bit of trivia. So James Cameron said, "I don't like slow motion for action. I like it for suspense." And that's where he sort of slowed her reaction down where she's on the floor sort of backing off and her feet are sliding but then the sunglasses are used again because the T-1000 steps on them mm. running after them and Silverman has the syringe cap sticking in his mouth and he just drops it when he goes through the bar. Yeah it just drops out of his It's scenes. great because yeah, you don't great. need dialogue there. It's just comic physical. I love that. And get down they're in the elevator and they're mm. sort of working as a team to get out now so I mm. love that John sort of reloads for them mm. in the back he's not the weak link you know he's capable yeah they do try to show him as having training without actually having him do anything violent yeah like he doesn't shoot a gun or hold a gun yeah and they're shooting him out of this moving car and he just keeps coming it's like nothing else like it's sci-fi but it's sold as pure action hmm. and they drive past the security guard and he's still writhing on the ground <laughs> 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 I didn't make note of that and I loved how just at the end of that scene you see he's running and he's sort of you can see with the long arms flailing around <laughs> yeah, when like... he falls along on that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's obviously a stump man <laughs> with prosthetics just struggling <laughs> this is his night he's had to do that 20 uh, times yeah. <laughs> just yeah. struggling but John grabs the metal thing and flings yeah. it he's scared but he does it anyway yeah. and the T-1000 calmly walks yeah. off and there's yeah. power in that too. And he goes up to the the guy on the motorcycle and he goes, see, that's a nice bike. Yeah. And there's an emotional moment here where she checks him for wounds and he thought she was going to hug him. And then Arnie says, what's wrong mm. with your eyes? And this is that point basically when they're in the car. That's when I considered act two to start. Oh, this is where the line was. The Dyson Sphere. Mm. I've got to buy me one, man. It's Christmas. 
<laughs> Not sure if I can afford it, man. <laughs> but there was the director's cut here with the switch in the brain thing. Did you see that? Yes. Yeah. So that's where the AI doesn't allow them to learn and grow and they have to do something to actually let him learn and expand. Yeah. But he was also describing, like Jim Cameron was saying, that Sarah has to overcome her prejudices. And this is the first step we see of John becoming this mm. leader in the future. Yeah, because she wants to destroy the chip, doesn't she? Yeah. And we see the reins of power slip from mother to son. And it was actually a mirror shot. So this is like the extent. This is another key thing. Like this was cut from the film because it was too long. So they spent days filming this shot, which was the Linda Hamilton's twin through just a hole in the wall. So it would appear as if they're looking into a mirror. And so they could use one shot to show cutting open into a head. So they had like on one side a dummy and on the other side was Arnie delivering the line oh. just so they could have it in one shot. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's Is like crazy right? the extent of stuff they went to and then to actually just discard it yeah. because they know it, it slows, slows things, things down. down. So it's like incredible the commitment to story, I think. It's amazing she has a twin. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, you just don't often think about it, but yeah, she has a twin and she stars in this. Yeah. <laughs> in this she definitely wasn't as buff though. <laughs> She didn't have these shoulders going for her. So, in the first Terminator, they send a Terminator back to kill her. Yes. But the thing is, is that it wasn't successful in killing her. And it was actually that act that created Skynet in the first place. Oh, that's cool. So, is it possible that Skynet actually sent the Terminator back not to succeed? That would have been good to explore in Terminator 3. (laughs) (laughs) Which they didn't. Mm. So we're introduced to Miles Dyson, really. He's the core of this because he's the one that got the chip from the first one and is creating Skynet now. At a geometric rate. Oh, that's the learners of Jim. Yeah, yeah, that's right. A computer right. system. It's great. The first, like, it's the longest thing that Arnold Schwarzenegger says in the entire film. This, this is his scene, really. <laughs> it was, right? And so they're really setting it up to be the attack on Miles, but then it sort of evolves into the attack on Cyber Cyberdyne. Yeah, so really they're trying to take the fight to the machines before they even begin to figure out a way of doing it. Yeah. It looks at first like they're going to just bunker down and arm up and all of that type of stuff. Well, she's got this massive weapon cache just south of the border. Yeah. And Arnie gets so excited by the weapons. It's kind of funny. He's like, excellent. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't acting there. (laughs) It was pure Arnie. Yeah, and he picks up the minigun. It's definitely you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when sort of we start to get the inner monologue that kicks in here. So right at the beginning, we have a very short intro with Sarah's voice and then that's all you hear. And then suddenly this inner monologue starts again. It's really interesting how they use that in this film because it's one of those other things that I would have thought wouldn't work Mm. because she doesn't say it very often, but it comes at the right time when it does. But then there are scenes where we're actually exploring her dreams as well, which seems to be separated from that as well. Yeah. And then it actually shows the nuclear explosion, mm. buildings flying apart like paper and trees like twigs and humans were turned to dust. And that was Bob Skotek who did the visual effects on that. It's pretty it's pretty horrific just the way that, that it plays out, but it's very it's effective. So very amazing. Effective. Hey, Just the bit where the blast first hits mm. and they burn. Yeah. Um, that's really 
just really horrifying. Yeah, it's chilling. And they had a troubling time filming that, apparently. Yeah, apparently, yeah. So she gets ready and she goes off without them to kill Miles. And they realize when he sees the message, no fate. And that's the callback to the Mm. first film. Sorry, what was that? No, there's no fate, but what we make for ourselves. (laughs) Oh, God. It's so bad, dude. (laughs) You keep needing to do it as well. I want to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. and that's when, I think you should try. <laughs> oh, I can't do it. It's uh, it's like mine is so awful. It's such a <laughs> such a teeny bopper awful thing. The future is not set. There's no fake for what we make for ourselves. <laughs> oh, I can't do it, man. Um, but she loses her nerve yeah. um, and doesn't end up killing and him. And once again, that's a very full-on scene. He does a really good job of investing emotion in this because they introduce you to his kid and his wife and just the banality of life and what he's doing in his work. And they make you, in a very short time, identify with this guy to some extent mm. so that when the violence hits and when she's trying to kill him, you don't want her to succeed. You, you're identifying with him rather than with her yeah absolutely it's very interesting how it makes you try to sort of Mm. sympathize with a lot of the characters in this even if they may be at odds with each other yeah poor lewis though he got his full house (laughs) didn't save him yeah yeah (laughs) that's right just enough to like him so that you're sad when he dies (laughs) won't be having that beer after all And then listen to me very carefully. You know, he's got the exposed endoskeleton. Oh, so good. Yeah. And Ed always has the backpack. It's a great costume design, Marlene Stewart. It adds so much character. He's walking around with his backpack. He's got his stuff in there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) His reloads. And it shows the road uh, at this point. That's the end road as well. At the end of the film, mm. just before they reach Cy- Cyberdyne. And that's when we set up for the the big action sequence. So, this is where the break into the bank is. Mm. So, we've done the prison escape and now we're doing the break into the bank. The heist. The heist. And it's set up like a heist as well because they've got the guard at the front and he's going, he's cold, right? The alarms. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. silent alarms. There's that sweaty guard that tries to <laughs> relieve Come on, them. Gibbons, you can't <laughs> leave the door like that. <laughs> So sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) He got so panicked. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, eventually they just blow the place open with (laughs) a grenade launcher. Yeah, I love just the brute force of him breaking through everything. Yeah. And then it's thrust me, and he's got the minigun man, 600 rounds per minute, Mm. just demolishing everything. It's such an epic scene. I love that. Just blowing all the cop cars out the front. And you switch to Arnie Cam to show you that there are zero fatalities because you can't actually believe it if they didn't show you that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and the SWAT come in. Oh, gosh, that was cool. Yeah, and they hit Mr. Dyson. Yeah. Poor Poor guy. Poor Miles. Yeah, he's rapidly breathing and he's got the weight just above the detonator. I don't know how much longer I can hold this. Yeah, yeah. So he's dead his timer for them. And the breathing slows down and stops at this point. And that's there's just that quiet before the epic fireball from all angles. <laughs> yeah. And that's awesome practical effects. Ah, oh, so amazing. But the T-1000 catches up to them. He's riding through the smoke. He does the epic helicopter jump. Yeah. 
And he does the get out scene. Get out, which is a nod to the original Terminator as well. Yeah. And at that point, I realized that this is not a dialogue heavy film. There really isn't a lot of dialogue in comparison to the length of the film. Yeah. It's really just a one big long chase. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I think John Connor probably has the most lines of any of them. <laughs> um, I can't think of any lines, man. Sorry. I'm letting you down. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and, and that's where we get to that action sequence with the helicopter where he's gotten into the chopper, is chasing them down. And man, that helicopter chase is amazing where they go underneath the bridge. Oh, it's so it's just, stunning. Like, oh, man, just the- He's flying so low. It's no joke, man. Yeah. And the pilot was Chuck Tamburo. He's a Vietnam trained pilot. But like all that stuff's real where he just barely clears the bridge. Yeah. That's- I know, it's that's ridiculous. Him, like just going crazy. So dangerous. <laughs> and you can just tell that it's real. Do you know what I mean? Like you can tell it's real. Yeah. When you watch other films and you see all the CGI, you just know it's CGI. It, no matter how hard they try, it's still... But you can tell that that stuff is, you know, there's there's no faking that. Yeah. In that helicopter sequence, they had to light like five miles worth of road. So they borrowed like all of the cables from all of the film studios in Hollywood oh, wow. for that one scene. And shot for three nights and it's just one continuous shot but they had to light this whole stretch of highway mm. it's done on such an epic scale yeah. this movie but it shows like there's no cuts it's done in one take and you're so impressed because of that yeah it's pretty amazing it's what gives it that big feel yeah that huge feel mm. and it doesn't end like he jumps out of the wreck of the chopper and he jumps into a liquid nitrogen right. truck yeah, and yeah, keeps steals going it, steals the truck the tension just keeps building and building and, and Peter Kent he's the stuntman yeah. Arnie, he does that epic stunt where he jumps onto the back of the truck and then onto the cab of the semi and then shoots. Mm. That was all him, man. No safety, nothing. It was all just yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> it's crazy. Utterly ridiculous. Man, they must have all had twins. <laughs> <laughs> well, they spent, it was six hours for him. Sorry, they put a latex Arnie face on him. Oh my God. <laughs> so they have a latex Arnie face on a guy who's doing a ridiculously dangerous stunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? And they end up at the steelworks and this is my act three uh, look i really need you to uh, <laughs> look i really need you to exit the immediate area post haste go now <laughs> or Ali isn't coming up for air well i had act three a freeze is coming free yeah liquid that from batman that's from batman <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good uh, yeah i love that liquid nitrogen scene oh it's so iconic man when he breaks apart yeah shattering and this i have to mention this was stan winston so he did all the practical effects and yeah. he's just a massive part of all of these films from the 90s like Jurassic Park and the original Terminator he made that original skeleton and he made this whole ice sculpture which shattered so it's not CGI it's Stan Winston's ice sculpture wow that's amazing and that's why it looks so mm. good because it's real oh it's pretty yeah yeah just the effects in this are amazing you just can't help but keep saying yeah it. and I love this like the reconstruction scene where there's been a small reprieve and now the tension starts to build again with the thing coming 
coming back together. Mm. I know that when I was a kid, I just thought, why are they waiting around for so long? It feels like they stand there for 10 minutes watching this <laughs> thing start to come back together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do love the actual fight sequence between the two Terminators again, where that physicality yeah. and just how the T-1000 is obviously just way ahead of Arnie's Terminator. Like his brute um, force isn't a match because he punches him in the head and he liquefies and morphs his head into hands. Yeah. You know, there's just no context and there's sparks flying everywhere. It's like the combination of this orange and blue now. It's sort of the real climactic mm. ending. And I love the scene where he throws him against the wall and he basically turns inside out. It's awesome, right? Just shifts his to face him. It's so good. And it just shows you just can't fight mm. against it. So, it adds that extra, how are they going to get out of this? So, in the end, they, he just crushes Arnie's head mm. with this massive steel bar. Oh, man. And that's just so crunchy. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Just repeatedly <laughs> with the musical score. And then it stabs him in the battery. Oh, yeah. It's brutal ending. So brutal. We skip forward and then the glitch gives T-1000 away. He's pretending to be the mum. Yeah, yeah. I think that might have been a special edition thing. I'm not sure. No, no. The special edition had this stuff where he put his hand on the rail and it would change colour because he was. it was either the heat or something. He was malfunctioning a little mm. bit. So, when he sees the fake mum in the special edition she comes along and she says get out of the way john at the last second and he looks down and sees that her feet have kind of melded with the ground but in the theatrical the subplot of him merging with the stuff around him isn't in there at all all right i see it's just purely he sees her come around and say get out of the way john and he just says shoot okay so it's just a little tighter yeah it's not necessary to show all of that stuff oh how cool Um, but arnie has the last shot and he sort of comes up on this conveyor yeah. and and she does the one-handed reload as well oh it's so yeah. good hey so there's a lot of one-handed reloading in this of shotguns it's iconic i don't know even the sound that it makes the click <laughs> the click the yeah bang oh gosh bang really good yeah and that he just explodes and there's that final scream yeah and that really shocking as it melts and it's screaming and all of that sort of stuff yeah he's not not very happy and at this point like i never realized through this whole film arnie wasn't even given a name because <laughs> like ed comes up to him and says get up come on he doesn't say a name and like he says i need a vacation yeah yeah <laughs> but it just dawned on me he didn't have a name yeah. in this whole thing yeah whereas like it's in true. the new one he's called carl and in genesis this is called Pops. It's kind of... <laughs> they have to give, him a, give him a name. No, and this is just the Terminator, isn't it? Yeah. Or a Terminator. And so, that's where we heartbreakingly have to yeah. say goodbye to Arnie. Say goodbye to him. Mm. Yeah. And he does the thumb up. Yeah. So iconic. Just so much iconic stuff in this. It's amazing. I know now why you cry, but it's something I can never do. Is it cheesy? <laughs> I love it so much. I don't think it is because like at that point in time, there is a lot of emotion wrapped up in it. So, I think it doesn't take away from it. It's not like Darth Vader going, no, (laughs) in episode three. It's uh, not like that. But yeah, it is sort of like James Cameron manages to somehow make you unhappy for these characters who you wouldn't necessarily feel sorry for. Like Arnie, Mm. um, Terminator burning up is, is sad and even Leonardo DiCaprio 
DiCaprio's character in Titanic freezing and going into the ice, you know. I remember someone saying to me, I think it was my brother or something, said in that scene where Leonardo DiCaprio dies and turns to ice, he's like feeling sad. And then he realizes who it is that's died. And he's like, hang on, why am I sad? This is great. <laughs> yes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. But not to Arnie. I think, every, I think everyone has a little bit of a tear in their, yeah. in their eye or something when he goes down and i think it's because we see it through ed furlong's character who's come yeah. full circle from this hardened streetwise rebel to this you know this son who's losing the only father figure he ever had yeah that's right and he does manage to get that vulnerability across which is what they got him there for in the first place i think and the epic music comes in at this point mm. and he's lowered down slowly and they're looking up for him and they reuse this sort of this shot the highway the, no like the this actual shot in the new new film i'm not spoiling anything oh, i hope okay. by saying that no it's so good the thing is when they were filming a lot of those scenes and they had to act like it was hot apparently it was really cold oh right yeah like all of the scenes where it looks like they're near hot lava and molten steel it's actually was it not hot at all mm. and they had to act like it was hot and be sweaty when they really couldn't sweat all oh, right yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I heard so, they had to spray him with, like, water and stuff to make him look sweaty. Mm, yeah, yeah. And uh, I do like the, the theme of valuing human life. And yeah. Even though there's so much violence and death in this film, it's all about talking about, you know, the value of human life. It's just like, yeah, blow up, explosions. <laughs> as long as there's zero fatalities, we're happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> did you see the alternate ending? I did. I have shoulder pads. <laughs> Shoulder pads. <laughs> it was 2029 and Sarah's old in the playground. Yeah. And I have literally not seen it for a long time. I haven't even watched it recently, but I still remember the alternative ending. And there was shoulder pads, weren't there? Um, I don't remember seeing them so prominently, but yeah, oh, okay. probably. Um, but yeah, it was so unnecessary, right? <laughs> to show all that. You didn't need to see all that. Well, yeah. And they took it out. Yeah. And they just had the, the unknown of the highway. Yeah. I wonder if there was an outcry of having such a definitive end um, by the studio. Well, the studio went bankrupt in 95. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that end. I wanted to talk about the 3D ride. Did you hear about any of that? What is this whole 3D ride business? So in 1996, James Cameron, was employed by Universal Studios to shoot Terminator 2 3D Battle Across Time for a live action ride at Universal Studios. And it was sort of the genesis for 3D films, I feel. Like, he's, this is where he started shooting, like, IMAX twin cameras. Oh, this really? is, like, before, you know, Avatar and everything. And it actually shows the progression. It shows Ed's a little bit older, four years, oh, right. and they go into the future to defeat Skynet. And there's still that chemistry with Arnie and Ed Furlong. It's like... I feel what the sequel really should have been. Mm. It's got the basis of the story of them going into the future and seeing more of the future. And mm. it would have been amazing if that was the sequel. But unfortunately, it was just a mm. 20 minute ride. Yeah. But then he went on to push the envelope further with Avatar, etc., etc., And the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> yeah. So how was this on your nostalgia meter? Oh, I love this film so much. It's so high on my nostalgia meter. I like wrote 20 pages. Sorry, this is so long. It's me just rambling, <laughs> I think. 
about in what my mind is a masterpiece. You know, the characters, their introduction, the motivation, it's all very tight and the incredible action. It's so inventive and unique. And, you know, Arnie's sacrifice at the end, it's deeply emotional. And it's a story about family, which I always love. Hmm. How about you? I, you watching it this? was great. It was great. When I first started watching it and the beginning, there were a few things that I wasn't so sure at first. And then, you know, as the movie goes on and you realize just how well put together this film is and just how enjoyable it is. And yeah, it's just got so many great elements to it. The cinematography, the action sequences, just the visceral nature of the film as well. How serious it seems in a lot of ways. Like even the humor is good in that it doesn't detract from anything. It seems to me the later films when the humor was there it was something that pulled you out of the film somewhat uh, i was a little bit felt a little slapsticky but in this the violence in it i'm not saying the violence is great but just the nature of it adds the seriousness to it it's just the way that they did it there are ways that i think action appears in film it doesn't have to show a lot for it to have an effect you watch a lot of the stuff in the inception director chris nolan chris nolan film there's very little blood in his films mm. but there is very impact in the violence that occurs in that or the action that occurs like you look at some of the joker scenes and some of the violence in that where most of it is implied but even in its implication it has more of an impact than action in other films Mm. there's just something that some directors can make this stuff just seem more impactful adding that emotional element to it, I guess. Yeah, I see. So yeah, it's great to see it again. I'm glad that I got to see it. This one, I won't rate as super high on my nostalgia meter, except that it does evoke a feeling that takes me back to like the 90s Mm. instead of the 80s. (laughs) How does that feeling? What's Can you elaborate? Uh, Metal, metallic blue. (laughs) Is that the feeling? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the like chrome. Oh, like chrome. I don't know. It's hard to explain. <laughs> it's like CDs. Yeah, CD-ROMs. CD-ROMs, yeah. CD-ROMs <laughs> and chrome and denim <laughs> and Guns N' Roses. <laughs> it's really strange amalgam of things. So, yeah, I'm glad that you picked this one, man. I haven't seen it in such a long time. Oh. So, yeah, it's good to see it. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it was great. And I will say that it was really good to see Linda Hamilton back in the new one. She has oh, such yeah. an epic entrance as well. It's very yeah. worth checking her out just for that entrance. Oh, right. Yeah. I do want to see it. I just was disappointed when I heard about some of the choices that were made yeah. at the beginning and the direction to go. It seemed a little too rehashy. Mm. It's, it's like it almost tried to set it from zero and then start again. It was very strange. Well, I got that vibe from Genesis as well. It had some interesting elements. They are going back, but there's also they're recreating, you know, the whole storyline again. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. It's interesting that none of them sort of wanted to progress forward with different ideas. Mm. They just wanted to recreate the nostalgia of the first two films. Like even say what you will about Terminator Salvation. I, I thought it was pretty forgettable, but at least it was setting it in the future or, you know, something a bit different but i think that one of the things that are directions that they i think that they should have taken a lot of these films is really how to resolve the whole ai issue um because when you've got this continuing war between the machines and it's always been about destroying one or the other i would have thought that it would be about seeking to resolve that through an alternative and that that would be more of a progression than any other type of option because all of them were so fixated with re- 
recreating the brand and recreating a series and just continuing it, making sure that it continues. And in order to do that, they had to keep the antagonism and the conflict between this future AI. Mm. Whereas it seems to me that what they could have done was explored in terms of how do you resolve that conflict in a way that is actually mutually beneficial. Oh, so right. it might have been about them continuously fighting and realizing that the conflict itself is what's creating oh, the destruction, okay. not that Skynet exists or that the humans need to be destroyed, but that the conflict is the thing that's actually creating all of the issue. Mm. That to me would have been something that would have been taking it that one step further. Yeah. Whether you can do that well or not is another question. Yeah, I wonder. You know, like a, a sex scene between a machine and a human being, that definitely would be a necessary <laughs> thing. <to> that, you know. <laughs> a Terminator giving birth. There, that's... <laughs> That's it. It'll be the sequel to Twins and the film where Arnie gives birth to uh, Junior. Junior. Yeah. It'll, it's actually, maybe that's what Junior and Twins and all of those are. They're actually the sequel. They're the true sequel to Terminator. Well, it comes down to the problem. You were tossing up these ideas to me about what would be alternate instances for sending a Terminator back in time, <laughs> you know, rather than for saving John Connor. My The one I came up with was to end all film reboots. <laughs> to like, <laughs> just to stop to that a, happening. Because this is Cameron the end and... of civilization, <laughs> the reboot. We just get stuck in a loop and we never progress forward. <laughs> There's a Terminator that's going to all the mainstream directors at killing the directors. Well, maybe not even the directors, the producers and all of the all the studio executives who've decided that these these series need to keep going. It's just not required. Just finish it and rewatch number yeah. two, man. It's not going to get any better. <laughs> it certainly hasn't so far. There's been more reboots and sequels to this film then there have been decent <laughs> Terminator <Yeah>. films. <laughs> but thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks, dude. Uh, well, we'll adjourn until the next one, which may be a Christmas special, but we will leave that to the mystery of the future. Oh, okay. The road less traveled. The road less traveled. I do have an announcement. Mm. We're going to be on YouTube soon. Mm. We're just about to launch our YouTube channel and come check us out on the YouTubes. That's right. And like and subscribe and the rest of it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like and subscribe to the YouTube channel of the Mog with Peter and Derek. I adore this. My name is Arnold Schwarzenegger and I think these people are fantastic. Well, thanks again for listening. Thanks, guys. We're stopping now. Stopping. Now. Now do it. We got a serious one okay, ahead of us, man. Yeah, yeah, gotta get it yeah, out. Get ready? <coughs> yeah, yep. I'm coming. Hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista, baby. Baby. Roses are red, violets are blue. <laughs> it's nothing personal. It's gonna come all over you. Um, <laughs> I need a vacation. Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. Get Dylan, down. You son of a bitch. Get down. Get down. Get down. Get out. Get out. Get I'll on. Be back. Get on. Get in. Get in. He'll live. He'll. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> okay, I think I can take it. I think <laughs> I, I got it. Out. I think I got, I think I've got it. I, I think I. Uh, we got I to get I, the Mars. <laughs> we got to get to that job. We got to get the Mars. <laughs> Mars. Okay. 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 I'm good. I'm good. Stop.